You're listening to the Moms Unscripted Podcast. I would love for you to stand next to me, but you cannot lick my arm. So, you are an overachiever in your sex life. I mean, life. I could teach a class on it. Well, and really, I just deflect. If there's man topics, I'm like, yeah, that's not what we do here. Hey, friends, I read a fascinating article recently. It's an article by Erica Hayasaki that she wrote for The Atlantic on the link between motherhood and creativity. And she begins by exploring how rats' brains are impacted by motherhood, explaining that almost identical things happen in human moms' brains as well. So here's what goes down. During pregnancy, the mama rat's neurological circuitry has been reprogramming itself. And before her babies are born, she's already started stockpiling creative materials needed for a warm nest. She uses what she can find, like strands of hair, dried grass, twigs, paper towels, furniture foam, all to make a safe place for her babies from things that she has found laying around. And then after her babies have arrived, she takes on new behaviors that she's never done before. Prior to becoming a mom, she might have chased a cricket for food with marginal success rates. But then as a lactating mom, her method is more direct and lethal. She captures the cricket in 70 seconds, four times faster than non-mom rats. She does not have time to waste, right? Her brain's motor and sensory systems have sharpened exponentially. And then even as her offspring grow and learn to fend for themselves, the neurological changes of motherhood persist. She'll experience less memory decline in old age and have quicker navigation skills than non-mothers, outsmarting them in mazes. She's more efficient, makes fewer errors, and finds new and universal ways to get tasks done, utilizing problem-solving approaches that she's not considered before giving birth. And the article goes on to explain how this biological increase in creativity and ability happens exactly the same way in human mom brains as well, which is why the writer suggests that motherhood is actually a catalyst to creative work rather than a hindrance. Basically, science is confirming what we all already know, right? Motherhood makes us incredibly innovative, resourceful, and creative. And no matter what situation we face, moms find a way to make it work. And it's a superpower, also known as creative resiliency, that we're exploring and celebrating in today's episode. Today, we're talking to a very special artist, someone who practices creativity in her work every day, but who has had to get creative in her life as well as her circumstances have changed dramatically and unexpectedly. Our guest today is Lindsay Sherbondi, better known to her fans and followers as Lindsay Letters. Lindsay's an entrepreneur, artist, and mom of two. She started her first stationary line at five years old, which I just love, took a calligraphy class at 10, pursued graphic design in school, all of which combined to turn into starting her own online shop years later. She's incredibly creative and resourceful, and we cannot wait to talk to Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and see all your faces without masks on. Right? Yes. That's the best. Seriously, the best. Okay, Lindsay, will you start by telling all of our listeners a little bit about you and your work and your family? Yeah. So um, my name is Lindsay and I am 39. I feel like I'm just always curious. So I'm 39 years old and I started Lindsay Letters um, as a blog in 2008 and then started started it officially as a website that it is now in 2011. Um, and so Ava was um, one. She, I remember on a launch day, it was her, also her first birthday. Um, Ava is my older daughter. She's nine. And then I have Phoenix who's five and, um, I'm married to a man named Dugan and we live in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. 
so that's the like in a nutshell version of our story and what I do. So, I can keep going though. No, no, no that's <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> can we, let's start by talking about your work. So I'm curious, what are some of your main sources of creativity? Like where do you get inspiration from? Yeah. So for those um, that have never been to lindsayletters.co, I specialize mostly in hand lettering. And I got started doing that um, luckily before, um, like at the beginning of, of lettering being on the forefront of creativity and what people were thinking about. So I'm really grateful for that. Um, so I do hand lettering and then lots of abstract painting. And so those are kind of my two areas of focus. And um yeah, I tell people all the time, like, I wish that I could create differently, but those are just the ones God gave me, mm-hmm. you know, like sometimes I see these like beautiful, realistic paintings of whatever people or things. And I think, gosh, like, I wish I could do that, but that's just not what I got. You know, I like mm-hmm. start thinking I'm going to not paint something abstract and it just becomes an- really abstract, you know, or I start thinking, you know, maybe I'm like over words, especially in hard seasons. Maybe I don't have anything else that I want to say or write and it just keeps coming. So apparently that's just how God's programmed me. So those are the things that I specialize in doing on my website. But as far as what inspires me creatively, um, I try, this is unique to me and definitely not advice, but, um, I try to glean inspiration from, creatives that wouldn't necessarily be in my same genre of creativity. Mm. So uh, I don't gain inspiration from other lettering artists. I don't gain inspiration from other abstract artists. When I accidentally like stumble upon that for me personally, I feel really overwhelmed. Mm. Um, Like if I happen upon Pinterest and I see like, yeah, like um, here's how to become an abstract artist or 10,000 abstract paintings that you can shop from for $50 or, you know, um, like even other hand lettering artists. I like think that's so great. I'm so glad there's so many artists that the world needs more Mm -hmm. all the time. So that doesn't frustrate me that I'm one of a million. That makes me happy. You know, we need more creators, Mm -hmm. but just for me personally and gaining inspiration, it's uh, never been fruitful for me to do that Mm -hmm. from other artists. I realize the art's different than that. Like, I don't know. So for authors, I know that you've got to be well-read to be a, mm-hmm. a good author, you know, mm-hmm. and like music and, and unlike parenting, like to be a good mom, I think you have to pay attention to the other moms in your world. So creativity, there's no other life analogy, but for me specifically, I have to get inspiration from like going to restaurants. Like I love getting to, are any of you guys foodies? Mm-hmm. Oh Yeah. Heck yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So the way that the menu is designed, the way that the good restaurant is styled, you know, Mm -hmm. like all those things kind of spark something in me that makes me like want to add something to the world or um, nature too. It's not like it's a direct correlation between like I see a tree and I want to paint it, but it it re-energizes me in a way that I feel ready to make something. So um inspiring conversations with friends, like all those things. It's not yeah, direct inspiration, but it's like those kinds of things power me up so that I feel like I'm ready to go back and make from a place of like being full. That's so good. But with COVID, I don't know about you guys, but with COVID, mm-hmm. that was really mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. So even just 
um, before we created this last collection, we like to work in collections. Um, so just kind of like clothing releases or, you know, I don't know what else, um, like CDs or CDs. Who am I? I, <laughs> I, I, I only play cassettes. CDs. So. I still I, buy CDs. We just so bought crazy. cassette tapes for a, a styling prop and, I, and nobody knew what they were. Okay. No, but like musical <laughs> artists, golly, musical artists that launch albums. Gosh, mm-hmm. there we go. That's how we think of our art. So anyway, for this last couple collections, I felt like, guys, I am running on empty. I just haven't seen anything. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys, mm-hmm. but I'm like, there hasn't, I have okay. only been looking at these four mm-hmm. walls and these people's beautiful faces. I have nothing. I'm feeling empty. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I was just going to say, Lindsay, that there's a such a beautiful quote from Anne Lamott um, t- giving advice to writers. And she says, you know, people come to me all the time and tell me they have writer's block. And I tell them, you're not blocked, you're empty. Mm. And I think about that all the time. And I've never thought about it more than I did in this last year, When you're, mm. especially when you're trying to be resourceful and creative and you realize there is nothing to draw on. Mm. And so I very much resonate with that, that sometimes it's not that we're blocked. It's that we, we need to spend some time filling up, whether that's nature or going to an inspiring place or something. Mm. I love that. Me too. Something you said that I really would love to double back on is you were kind of commenting on like, this is what God gave me. He didn't give me um, portrait painting or, mm. you know, um, other real life uh, art. He gave me lettering and he gave me abstract work. Mm. And as someone who also puts creative work out in the world, I always love knowing how do you deal with issues of comparison and perfectionism? Like, how do you own that and just say, this is who I am and and fight the temptation of comparison, perfectionism, changing who you are, not being true to your own self? Um, yeah, that's a great question. And I think I would answer it different at 39 than I even would have at 30. Um, and again, this is just for me specifically, and I hope it helps somebody else, but definitely it's not from a place of advice. Um, cause what fills some people up, you know, depletes other people. But for me, I have to keep my head down. I have to really protect and guard myself because, um, yeah, it's especially with social media. And I know you guys have talked about this in previous podcasts, but it's a it's a never ending slippery slope. And you never know when you're when it's gonna stop like at inspiration or like looking and it's gonna trickle over into feeling like, well, now I don't feel like I'm good enough. Mm-hmm. And the same is true for parenting as it is for my work. And so um I just have to protect myself in that way. However, I will say less so than when I was younger in my career. Mm. I think mm-hmm. at this stage in my career, it went from like, like in my early thirties, like what if, or late twenties, even I used to work at a church and um, produce services and worked on the graphic design team. And um, when I switched from doing that into entrepreneurship, it was like, kind of like, what if I'm not the best? Like, what if not, not the best, but what if there's all these people that are so much better than me? And I think that I've switched over into thinking like, Hey, there really are, there are lots of people that are better than me. It's not like, what if it's knowing, like there are so many people Mm -hmm. that are so much better than me than this, or better at this than I am. However, you know, I know that God doesn't, that's why he gives us all these gifts, not just mm-hmm. one singer, not just one artist, not just one lawyer or one parent or one whatever. And so, and I can't not make it. I just mm-hmm. can't not make it. 
you know, so, so it's like, instead of just protecting myself from feeling like going down a spiral of thinking of comparison, um, I still protect what I like, what I soak up, um, so that I don't start to go down a slippery comparison slope. But I also, when I do see somebody that's so good and I'm like that, like, I honestly feel like that is so good for them. I'm so glad the world has them. I'm not scared anymore. Um, and I realize that's privilege too. Um, not everybody can speak from that place and it did take a decade of doing this. Um, so yeah, I realized that that I get to have that because I get to have a team. It's a proven business. I was like set up for success by so many relationships and connections. Um, so, you know, every little thing is a piece of getting to be able to feel like that. But I guess if anybody out there is, is saying like that they don't feel like they're measuring up or good enough or struggling with comparison, it's just a huge weight to be like, you know, there are so many people at whatever you're doing that are better than you, but we also don't always want to pick the best, Mm -hmm. you know, like, Mm -hmm. it's like a, we were just talking, you know, uh, Jay and I about tacos before this podcast started. And it's like, you don't always want the five star tacos. Like you want, like you also want the street card taco. So, you know, not doing something because there are people that are better than you, um, you know, is like, yeah, but not everybody wants that same type of taco, Mm -hmm. for example. And that helps me to, to avoid that trap too. This, this on a level really tells me, Lindsay, about your walk with the Lord <clears throat> and your relationship with him and how he created you uniquely. Um, and I think that releases a lot of pressure for women, too, mm-hmm. that, you know, I don't look like her. I'm not shaped like her. I don't have hair like her. But what I have and what I obtain and what I'm good at is pretty badass, you know, so it's not <laughs> it's not, you know, I. I and you're a woman after my own heart because I rarely compare myself to other people, rarely, because mm-hmm. of how I see myself, because of how I see how God created me. I'm a masterpiece. Good luck catching up to me. So that, it, <laughs> but but in, in not an arrogant way, but in a way of saying thank you, God, for creating me the way that you did. And that's also in your art. When I was on your website, I'm I'm all abstract, <laughs> and in my mind, I'm like. I hope someone didn't come to her website looking for an apple because there aren't any apples. Because, <laughs> you know, all of the like live portrait of like a bowl of fruit. And I'm like, why would you want a bowl of fruit on your wall? But, you know, that's them. My Mine is like abstract. So I I, I just love that perspective. Um, and and the comparison part can get you so low and that's depleting. So I appreciate also that you're saying that the creativity doesn't have to come from looking at other art, but a, a fantastic conversation, an easy conversation, a hard conversation or relationship yeah. that mm-hmm. you feel inspired that way. The, all that's God. Everything you just spoke is the Lord. Oh, well, mm-hmm. right. Good. I hope that's what people hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As far as painting an apple, like that is so funny, but I'm an art junkie. I collect all of it. Mm-hmm. Like every, I can't, it's a problem. Um, so I want apples and portraits and abstract. The thing mm. that attracted me to abstract art is that you cannot mess it up. 
And so having started in a career of graphic design, when every pixel can be perfect, perfectly aligned, everything's in a grid, everything's intentional, like you can push it and push it and push it forever. Um, It can be perfect. Yeah. The idea, my first ever painting I made to for it to sell was with Ava and I had, you know, minutes. She was little too. Um, and, and she was painting and I was painting and I was rushed and it was on like a crinkled piece of paper and, and people have loved it. Mm. And it was like, I, there was no room for perfectionism. And I love immediate gratification. So I have a really hard time like finessing graphic design felt okay, but paintings or like my own self, I just want it to be ready and done, you know, and want to move on. So abstract art became so fulfilling. Like I needed that as an outlet because my lettering, everything was changing to digital. You know, it used to be on like paper and calligraphy pens and now it's iPads and things Mm. and what used to feel free and, um, really like tactile was becoming digital was becoming something that could be perfected mm-hmm. too. And so I needed abstract to just be like, mess it up and it's over, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, so that's what I, that came from needing a place to not make this like perfect thing. Do you, do you ever feel like um, motherhood and creativity are at odds with each other? That's a really good question. Do you feel like that? All the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like am a huge sucker for analogies, but I really, honestly, I don't see a whole lot of, I'm like gesturing with my hands, but I don't, for me, like how I get to feel creatively is not necessarily how I get to feel in motherhood. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not even totally sure what I'm saying, but, but in my work, it feels like the freedom of creativity, but sometimes in motherhood, it feels like a burden of creativity, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And and obviously we can talk about creativity in so many ways, but for one, there's like actual creativity. Like, do you do crafts? Do you bake like good cookies? Do you like make adorable birthday parties? But also the creativity of, it's like, the hardest job in the world with no job description Mm -hmm. and no roadmap. Mm -hmm. And for somebody that likes to, like, I want to know what your expectations are and then I want to exceed them. Hmm. So for motherhood, I felt I had so much anxiety after I had Ava specifically, like actual clinical anxiety, but just the stress of like, what's the right thing to do. And then I want to like, then I want to riff from there. But like, what are the guidelines? What's the, like, just the outline, you know, like that's yeah. what I want. And there was one like from birth, right? Because it's like, do you like, are you co-sleeping? Are you nursing? Are you bottle feeding? Are you like crying them? Are they crying themselves to sleep? Like mm. there's so many options from the moment you get home from the hospital that I felt like in this constant state from, of panic. From conception. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. From and, con- then, and then mothers that I mm-hmm. really respected were doing it one way. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I realized that wasn't going to work for me and Ava, then I was like, well, now what? Mm-hmm. So creativity in that sense didn't, at the time, it didn't feel like a, like a, like a get to, it didn't feel like you get to do wow. this however you want. Wow. It felt like, 
I don't know yeah. what I want. Like I'm new and my hormones are crazy and I've never done this before. And I don't think I'm naturally really good at it. And she's like, doesn't want to be put down. Yeah. <laughs> you know? hard, hard to trust yourself. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly, so many things, even now I'm like, my husband and I are both in so much counseling, just all the counseling. And so much, <laughs> like you said, Lena, Eliana, mm-hmm. it comes back to like self-trust mm-hmm. and I, that's an area I'm really struggling with mm-hmm. still, you know, I understand that totally. totally. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that you mm-hmm. kind of hinted at and something that I even noticed in my own life is that when you are an artist or for me, I was a musician first, I felt like music was the only way I was allowed to be creative. And then I picked up a camera and I started shooting video and I was like, Oh wait, my creativity extends to something more than just one thing. And then I became a parent and I was like, wait a second, how can I be creative in this way? And I felt once I allowed myself to be creative, I guess in more than the set way that I was told that I was a lot, like you get that, you get that approval. And so maybe for you, Lindsay, it's, well, you're an artist and that's how you get to be creative. And then when you become a parent, I think that creativity shows up in so many different ways. And once I guess I allowed myself to be creative or to feel like that was an outlet of creativity, I I felt like it was a lot more releasing in that it wasn't, Oh, I'm parenting now. It's, well, how can I be creative with that? How, you know, how, how can I find ways to still be inspired through parenting and all of those things? Have you, have you found ways that now that you're a parent, maybe that parenting has even sparked extra amounts of creativity for you? Um, yes. I want to be thoughtful of my answer. I think I definitely had an I mean, an expectation in parenting, which I'm sure you can identify yes, with. We all do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, like, to be totally honest, like Ava's creativity and my creativity were not the same. Like we're not in alignment, you know? Um, so I'm like, I like, I could do Legos for hours. Like I could make, I could like make cutesy things. Like I could color, like I could do crafts. And, um, it's like Ava's friends always really appreciated that about me, but Ava, her energy was like, she's like a director, like she's like a stage queen. So it's like her idea of creativity was like tons of imaginative play and tons of like voices and, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that. And I can't do that. Like, it's really hard for me to do that. You know, I remember playing with little people with my son, Phoenix, like the little characters and my, my husband walked by and I was like, my role playing with them was like, they were going to a meeting after the grocery store and, and you can like tap me out. No, like, you know, you're bad when they're going to a meeting when all the gnomes are going, like, (laughs) we can do better than this. So I think Matt, like, it's just, I think for some, and that's the problem with parenting and the beauty of parenting too. But for some people, it's like, they're a creative individual. And so they get to like, for you, I don't know if it's like your kids love music and then you get to share in this joint experience. For me, I just was like, I'm so good at hair. You know, I'm so good at 
painting and Ava didn't want anything to do with getting her hair mm. touched or painting, for example. So now with Phoenix, he's four years younger than Ava. Um, now, well, let me backtrack. So Ava, when, so when she was two, we lived with my mother-in-law, Sharon, who was one of my best friends. And Sharon is good at all those things that Ava loves. And it, it was a really hard time for me because I felt like I really compared myself and my relationship with Ava to my mother-in-law's relationship with Ava. Mm-hmm. Now I would be like, great. This is so great because <laughs> I'm not good at these things and you are, and you can do that for Ava. But at the time I felt so wrapped up in my insecurity that I couldn't be that for her. You know, I got to watch Ava be so loved right in her like love language lane by Sharon, my mother-in-law, that I, I like felt so bad that I couldn't do that, you know, and now on this side, now I'm like, oh gosh, this is why they say it takes a village. Mm -hmm. And so that's, this is where I see it like overlap into art. So with art, I'm like, the things I got are lettering, um, abstract paintings. And then I do think I can, I'm a visionary. Like I can see what's next. Mm -hmm. I care about the process from start to finish. I care about the way the website works. Like I have a few other things than that. Mm -hmm. Um, I care about people's hearts on the receiving end and that they feel honored in the process. But like, it's a very small pool of things in the grand scheme of our business. I feel like that with parenting specifically, Ava and Phoenix now, like, these are the things I'm good at. Like, I'm very good at getting your snacks. I'm very good at smuggling. <laughs> We're not like in the sports phase, but I'll be your best cheerleader. Mm-hmm. You know, like, but there are 1 million other parenting things that God did not give me. And instead of feeling bad about that, like I did when Ava was little now with Phoenix, I'm like, Great. This will be a really good thing for your nanny to take you to the jumpy place. Because <laughs> Jenna, our amazing nanny, she's really good at that. Mm-hmm. Doesn't stress her out. Doesn't bother her. She's like 10 years younger than me. That will be so fun. A decade ago, I would have felt terrible, but I couldn't be the one to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, So I guess in a way, like as a roundabout answer to your question, that's where I see the overlap. It's the creativity of getting to say, look, here are the things I've been given. And I know that God doesn't mess up. And that doesn't mean that we can't hone in on the things that we're not good at. You know, mm-hmm. there are things that we all don't, we like have to be good at like loving them. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> there are things that we can practice at, but I, any longer, I don't feel, why would I feel like I had to do it all in parenting when I don't feel like I have to do it all in my business? Right. Right. So good. You know, like nobody is expecting you're not coming to the website. Like I do not paint apples <laughs> and there are people that do. Yeah. And so go to them yeah. if you want an apple and mm-hmm. in the best way, not in a sassy way, like go, that's so great. That's right. You know, I hope that you like all the art. And so that's why I think too, with, with parenting to just, I'm lucky enough to get to be surrounded by so many people that love my kids that aren't just Dugan and I. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that can fill in those, that can fill in those spaces. And 
And so I get to be like, all right, I'm very good at these. If you ask Phoenix what he likes about me, he would say that I make really good snacks. <laughs> snacks are my love language. I, I really appreciate love a good snack. A good snack. Yeah. Yes. Love yeah. a good it's snack. It's like goldfish crackers. You know, like I just like, it's like strawberries. It's not like <laughs> tiny, tiny sandwiches. Right. Vegetable boxes. You just know. I am better at getting his snacks than there Dugan is. But go. Dugan is better at wrestling him and making silly voices than I am, mm-hmm. you know? And, mm-hmm. and I know that not everybody has a partnership like that, but even so many other people that aren't even related to us fill in those gaps. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter, Ava, would be like, hey, can you tickle my back? And so I would, and she's like, hey, finally, this was right before her accident, but she was like, hey, mom, I got to tell you. She's eight. She's like, you are not as good at tickling my back as Ashley. <laughs> as Ashley. <laughs> as Ashley's my best friend. I, uh, I felt so liberated in that. Yes. Like, You're like, that doesn't even hurt my feelings. No. And she wasn't trying to. No, right? not at all. Right. Not at all. And at, at a different stage oh, of life, so I'd have funny. been like, gosh, oh, like, hey, Ash, tell me how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and honestly, it wasn't just that Ashley's better at that than me. I think that Ava just appreciated that there was another woman in her life that was doing that for her. And so that just became, you know, so valuable, such a valuable lesson for me, too. And then likewise for Ashley's daughter, like Ashley doesn't like to do crafts. Mm -hmm. So I I can do that for her daughter. It's like this is why we all come mesh together. Same with business. Like I can't do my taxes. So somebody else does. And at first... (laughs) You know, I don't have that luxury, but I've learned, you know, I can't do everything. Same with parenting. (laughs) I love it because, again, again, this is God's original design. We weren't meant to do everything. And I think if we go into it thinking that I'm going to pray over this, I pray over all the podcasts. But this one, Lindsay, I believe you're going to free some mamas, some women of things that they've just have just I got to learn this. I have when really as it was designed, there are things like, I wish God would have said, Janella, you're not going to be good at this. Ricky, Devin A's dad's going to be better. So don't worry about it. In the beginning, you know, of, of having our kids, that that's something that you're just going to suck at. But <laughs> the, yeah. her dad is fantastic at it, but there are other things that he's not as good at that you're going to be, you know what I mean? That we come in holding whatever pieces we need to hold. Um, that, you know, again, that you don't come in just feeling so disappointed and let down when, you know, fill in the blank. So anyway, I love that. So side, wise. Side I bar. wish I had so good. that wisdom in, oh my, in my 20s. Yeah. Not now. Mm-hmm. This yeah. puts a lot of pressure on ourselves. Yeah. So true. Yeah. I mean, I, there's no point, right? Going like thinking None. I wish we could go back. Yeah. But yeah. The times that I watch Ava and Sharon playing and wishing that I could be like mm-hmm. Sharon, mm-hmm. like why wasn't I just like reading a magazine? Right, <laughs> right. Like, and enjoying right. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Like, wow, that's so you nice. You guys look like you're having fun and over there. And she's on too. So she, yeah. she totally gets it. Mm-hmm. She totally yeah. understands. And it felt good to be like, hey, by the way, <laughs> yeah. thank you tolerating me and in that season and now like take it away (laughs) okay I have a question for you because I think there's a lot of people (laughs) listening that their in-laws are like not it's not a good relationship and you said your mother-in-law is one of your Mm -hmm. best friends Mm -hmm. so how did you get there how did that happen how do you I found her first 
Oh, interesting. That is cool. Yeah. Okay. So she started as my friend. We worked, we all worked at a church together. And so Sharon was my friend first. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a family dynamics are always hard. And I know it's unique what Sharon and I have. Um, so, but yeah, we were friends first, That's but great. sometimes it's tricky because now that she is my husband's mom, there are things that I can't go to her for mm-hmm. that, you know, that I wish I could. And she's been so good to draw a boundary in that. Yeah. And yeah. as much as I'm like, could you just not be Dugan's mom for a minute and be like my friend? <laughs> right. And yeah. sometimes depends on how like the... Depends on the depth of what's at stake there. You know, if it's like he doesn't shut the drawers or whatever. (laughs) Yes. But some things, um, even like she's got to draw her own boundary for. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's what gets, that's what gets hard about our in-laws too, is because sometimes we're like, you're responsible for the way that they're being. Right. Right. (laughs) It's your fault. Very true. Very true. Like, did this. Yeah. Um, no, but Sharon, it's, she's just really great and has taught me so much. And, um, I don't know, I think as far as how everybody else in the in-law spectrum is, um, yeah, it's just recognizing that it's really hard. So many, the more dual roles you have, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the more complicated it gets. Mm-hmm. So when an in-law is like kind of being your friend, but yeah. also they take some ownership over your kids and also like take some ownership over their kids and also want the best for you. It's like yeah. the more enmesh all those roles become, the more tricky a relationship is always going to be. So true. Um, and I think it's like with a lot of relationships actually in my life, close relationships, we have just even had some defining the relationships conversations lately to say like, we're going to be in each other's lives for a really long time. So could we just allow ourselves the space to do this incorrectly for mm-hmm. a while and learn from it? And then like, without knowing there's like, there's going to be no abandonment, no like judgment that will like try and clear the air. But like, can we just get through this messily mm-hmm. first That's good. until we figure it out? And I realize it takes healthy people on both yeah. spectrums. Some I, there are, Without naming any names, there are some people that I could do that to easier than others. Mm-hmm. But the people that you really want to have a close relationship with will be able to say, like, yes, we can do that. We can mm-hmm. get so Sharon and I, even though we started as friends, it was really messy for a while because she lived with me. I was going through my own like anxiety. Dugan and I were at a weird spot in our marriage. And she just was like, Yes, I'm here for forever. And so mm-hmm. we can do that. We can get through that really messy part because I know we're, we've got lots of years to, to on the other side of it. That's wow. Yeah. It took her being like secure enough within herself to be able to allow me to go through that and for her to not hold resentment for me later, but I can honestly say she doesn't. So it's possible. Mm -hmm. That's so you, powerful. You are preaching today. Yeah, she is. We're going to pass around an offering plate in a little bit. Um, <laughs> because, again, like when you're in a committed relationship and you know you're not going anywhere, you just invest differently and you work on those mm-hmm. messy things. Right. But if that person, person is an optional person in your life, then you're like, well, I don't I don't know how much investment I need to put into this. So that's that was good work, too. What is mothering 
teaching you right now in this season? Oh, um, (laughs) yeah. So Ava, um, in 2019 fell off a golf cart at the end of the summer. Um, we Dugan and I were at swim lessons with our son. And so Ava, it was a total freak accident, but she was on the edge of the front seat of a golf cart and they were just going down the street. Um, some neighbors with Ava who she'd been with a million times. I would, I trusted then. And I trust now, um, they were just going down the street and Ava, they said, just tipped off the golf cart. And like I've mentioned before, Ava is extremely dramatic. And so they all thought she was joking, just laying in the middle of the road. Um, but she was not joking. And so many people ask, like if an aneurysm or something had happened to Ava to cause her to have fallen. Um, and they can't find anything. Ava's never fainted before. There's no history. She ate lunch, you know, like, I don't know what could have happened then, but she hit the right side of her head. And, um, I've replayed this so many times. Cause I keep, I've always thought like, why Ava's spastic? Like, why didn't she freak out as she was falling? You know, like there are so many questions and mm-hmm. she just had one other little scrape on her shoulder. So there definitely wasn't like, Mm -hmm. I'm falling, you know, and they weren't like whipping around a corner. They were just driving straight on a straight paved road. So anyway, Ava fell and was given a zero chance of Mm. survival. Um, I asked later, like, hey, how come you guys, so many people have been through a similar situation and not necessarily golf cart, but said like, we were given a zero, you know, 10, 2% chance of survival. So how come you guys didn't give us what that was? And they were like, cause there was 0%. Wow. And so once they realized, so what she did was she sustained um, a traumatic brain injury, a TBI. Mm-hmm. And um, so I remember the voice on the other end when I answered this phone call at Phoenix of swim lessons on my watch. And I just dropped the phone And all I heard was my voice and I like somebody said, or my name, somebody was like the person on the other end was like, Lindsay, are you home? And then I just knew in my spirit, like Mm. nothing was ever going to be the same. It's the phone call every parent dreads. Mm -hmm. And so from then on, we were just spun into a whirlwind of our life being dramatically different. And, um, so Ava, you know, it was touch and go for a long time. They, you know, when they, it looked like she was going to actually physically survive. Um, Cause what happens is there's so much pressure and swelling on your brain that they were anticipating that was going to compound down into her, um, what's it called right here, <laughs> the back of your neck, um, her brainstem. So anyway, they're like, she's going to be, um, they don't use the term vegetative anymore, but um, non-responsive for forever. And um, and so that began, you know, as far as like what's parenting teaching me right now, I, I'm mm. barely coming out of a cave. Um, it'll be two years in August and I'm barely like my like nose is like sticking out of the end. And um, yeah, like, you know, mm. how that feels to be like flipped up on your head. Uh, Well, that was a terrible analogy. Like to be everything to be like tumbled around. And then you're like, where am I? So Dugan and I, after Ava, we knew she was going to survive. Like that was the beginning of the undoing of our faith. I mean, Dugan thought, um, he felt strongly from the Lord that he, that she was going to like wake up like almost instantly and be healed. I felt like 
maybe she wasn't going to make it at all. So that was the beginning of like mm. the undoing of our marriage um, mm. for a time and the undoing of our faith, you know, and the undoing of so much. I mean, even the strain it puts on family and friend relationships, like that was a lot to throw your friends and your family into. And it took a really long time. I mean, Ava, um, she went to rehab after and she um, like cried for an actual whole year, just almost all day, every day for no reason. And still, um, I hate it when people ask what she can do, which you guys didn't ask that, but um, it's hard to answer because she's still nonverbal. Mm-hmm. She still is. Um, she's the wheelchair. She spends mm-hmm. a lot of time in her bed, which her bed is lovely and very cozy. And she's got an adorable room. But if I'm just going to say what she can do, it's like so minimal. Mm-hmm. But um, over the last, was it 18 months or something like that? No, that's, it's been longer. Anyway, over the last almost two years, it's been incredible to watch God put pieces back together in a different way mm-hmm. than what I expected, which, yeah, you're nodding your head because you know how that feels. I just feels. understand. I understand yeah. in my own way, my own story. Yeah, just totally yeah. being in the dark and mm-hmm. realizing you have no control over outcomes and, and then yet watching God do something that... Um, it just, it just blows your mind, even though it's not what you ever wanted, what you ever planned, mm-hmm. what you ever hoped or even knew to wish for it. Mm. It's, but it's so it's, it's witnessing a moment, my moment miracle in your life. That's messy and horrible. And yet mm. there it is. That's why I can't wait to read your book because oh, it's you, like hope when it doesn't work when out, it's not all that fun that you wanted mm. or expected. Yeah. So I can't wait to read all that wisdom. That's going to be healing for me too. Yeah. It's like, is hope a trick, you know? Mm. And I think one of the things I've learned about hope, I'd love to hear you talk about it some, but what I realize is that there's a lot of, there's, it's very different what we hope for, which is like an outcome and put our hope in. And that's a lot of what I've learned in my own journey. And I'm sure you've learned this too. Like you can hope for something to happen, but that's very different than hoping in the process Mm. instead of like a product, you know, because we can't control the outcomes. And so what do we do when we can't control the outcomes? We have to Mm. figure out what we can put our hope in Mm -hmm. and it's not always sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think what's been hard is I realized, I realized early I can't control the outcome where the struggle has been is knowing that God can. And so why isn't he? Mm. Like why, sure. I, why isn't he to finish that? Why isn't he doing it the way that I feel like is the best way for him to do that? Yeah. You know, which would be for Ava's like ultimate healing, uh, like many months ago, you know, um, we do. And I will talk about it like shrapnel. It's like, there's mm. the original like injury, Ava's injury mm. and the impact of that, how hard that is in and of itself. But like, we've had to go through like the undoing of so much of our own sin nature in the midst of that. Mm-hmm. Um, like Dugan and I like have both struggled. He's, he's with, he's struggled with alcohol abuse. I've struggled with finding my satisfaction and whatever else other mm-hmm. than God or the, like mm-hmm. whether it's like eating or shopping mm-hmm. or like just making her space perfect or mm-hmm. like overly diving into work, like just kind of numbing out. Mm-hmm. We've both yeah. been numbing out in our yeah. own ways. Yeah. Um, like 
wondering about how Phoenix is handling all this. Like he lost his sister, but then for mo- like months we weren't around and we were in and out of the hospital all last year. Um, just all year, we spent more time in the hospital than home back and forth and back and forth. So I'm like, Oh gosh, Ava's injury is terrible. That's awful. What happened to her? But I've struggled a lot with the undoing of everything else, (laughs) you know, like having to worry about like, can't, can't this have happened, but our marriage just be perfect. Mm. Like can't this have happened, but just like Phoenix never be sad or never be worried because we're leaving again. Like the strain on my personal relationships, just friendships, you know, Um, like, and just my struggle with my own like emotions. Like, you know, it's so, it's hard for me to self-regulate anyway, but my like um, propensity to like overreact is just was way like way set on fire Mm. to anybody so like gosh like all this shrapnel from this injury is so irritating Mm. and so that's been the thing that to that i've really struggled with with god lately or over this since ava's accident is not just why did you let that happen Mm. but why are you letting all the rest of this happen that's real that is real that is real and that's yeah so that's like as far as hope, I think um, like it, it was too painful right away mm. to just yep. like hope. I think the first couple of weeks it was like like all the worship and all the hope and all the whatever, but then just became the undoing mm. and um, and the realization that like I've tried to quit God a lot <laughs> over the past mm. bunch of months and. Um, like you can't quit something that you know inevitably exists. Like if you're arguing, if I'm arguing with God to like quit you, it's like, well, obviously mm-hmm. <laughs> you're there. Mm-hmm. And um, like, I've done that. Like, well, do I believe Jesus? Yes. Well, then I, there, you can't have Jesus. I've done all that, yeah. you know, but it's the realizing that God is good, but he's not, he might not be mm-hmm. good and like who I thought he was. Mm-hmm. Is, is it possible that he's better? Yes. But I am mourning what I thought God was, who I thought he was, mm-hmm. and trying at the same time to hold both. Like I'm mourning, almost like I'm mourning our relationship and what I thought it was before. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. but, wow. But realizing that. There is so much more. Yeah. There's so much more. And then doing the same thing that I said, like Sharon did with me, but like, okay, well, like for the first time in my life, like mm. I'm not in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Wow. For the first time I'm like, God can like, everybody said, God can handle your anger. I'm like, I know, like, mm-hmm. I'm not even asking for permission for that. But like for the first time, I'm not like, I'm like, this is going to take a really long time. Yeah. Uh, same with like, you know, Duke and I like putting our marriage back together. I'm like, for the first time in my life, I went to therapy and wasn't like, okay, here's what he did wrong. And can you fix it? It was like, oh, we're starting from like the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like before we were even, before we knew each other, before I was a parent or a wife or whatever, but like just who I am. And it's like a deep breath for all, for Ava. It's like, wow, we're forward facing. And she is, she is a miracle. Like she, Mm. The people that know her can see just like how amazingly far she has come. Like she's so responsive. She's smiling almost every day now, which is huge. 
And she's like working on moving her arm. She's working on moving her leg. Like she gets just satisfaction from life and people that is huge. It's all at once more than I thought I would ever have. And, and not enough at the same time, Mm -hmm. but like, can my relationships, all of them, like, are they strong enough, especially with God, you know, like to be able to withstand the part where I don't get it at all. And and I'm just now starting to want yeah. to try and mm-hmm. hear him yeah. again. So it's just like, we're at the very baby step, but I think mm-hmm. I'm just now like, okay, like I'm ready to even try to listen to what you might have to say. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like still barely not mad, but it's not like what I thought yeah. that you should be yeah. doing. I feel like oh, you reckon me. Um, I feel like you're describing to a real, real relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. You know, the good, the hard, you know, um, and you, you can reach through the, TV and screens screen and slap me if you want because some people just in in the right way want to say the right thing but the, most times it comes off wrong um, with loss or differences or whatever but um and just to not romanticize our relationship with God that it has to be so holy all the time you know that I lost my brother last year and I don't today I still don't understand it and I've loved God forever and i still don't understand why he took him and my true feelings at the time was i can think of like five people you could have took why my brother <laughs> but that was oh, I, couldn't have been. I i mean that was my real moment relationship with the, the god of the universe the god of my life of why justin like even in my family i'm like uh, I don't really care for my cousin who doesn't love you either. So why couldn't you take my, but I'm it's saying, it's, it, yeah. so I'm just appreciating yeah. that too. Um, and I feel like that's where God really scoops us up, honestly, too, to pick up the pieces and the beauty, you know, from ashes that he really is able to see and say, now you see me like, I, cause I don't always see God in, in just again the romanticizing of our walk with him because sometimes it's not that I mean I think about Job I think it's just not that all the time and that's all right to say I, I'm not speaking to you today <laughs> you know and God's like well that's funny because you still need me so it's a it's a um it's a tug and pull yeah I was the Christian that was like, just pretend Job doesn't like, I just hated reading that stuff because that wasn't the God that I wanted to follow. Anytime I was reading, especially like anything through the Old Testament, I'm like, oh, it's like, it's very cringy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like Mm -hmm. what? Like there's so many things that we skip over Mm -hmm. that it's just like, oh, like, I don't like that part, you know, (laughs) Um, I still don't like it, but yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I felt I felt those same. I'm so sorry about the loss of your brother, and I felt those same things. And um, it, it's like, um, I, I there's so many different types of people. So I'm over simplifying it, but I feel like there's mm-hmm. like two types of Christians, and there are the people there are the people that like, it, thankfully nothing 
terrible or traumatic has happened to. Mm-hmm. And we need those people. Mm-hmm. Those people are valuable and seen mm-hmm. and loved and heard just as much. And those are the people that are like, I really love life here. And I don't really want to think about heaven. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to think about what the ultimate, like, because this is great. Like life is so great. And I used to be that, you know, like, mm-hmm. I like, like, I hope I don't, I mean, I still hope I don't die, but I'm like, I just like really like this life. You know, I don't, I wish this would go on for forever because I wasn't part of pain or suffering or like just deep sadness. And then there are the people, the half that like have known that deep grief, that deep sadness or that deep trauma that for those people that veil has been, has become so thin for Mm -hmm. that you like can't wait (laughs) that you can't wait for that, that day Mm -hmm. where that is not part of life. And unfortunately there becomes a separation. And, and I think that was hard for me to realize I was now on the other side, Yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, and, but I was also joining like a huge tribe of, of, women and friends that were already there, you know, people who had suffered miscarriage upon miscarriage, you know, the death of a close relative that was unexpected, like childhood trauma that they're still reliving. You know, it's like I joined a family of people that realize that like have been through that and um, just like continue to have a faith. Mm-hmm. And so I know that that I knew that that was possible. I just miss the, yeah. the ignorance mm-hmm. that yeah. was before yeah. that, mm-hmm. wow. you know, and as somebody that wants things to be better all the time, like I just, that's why where the numbing comes from is it's really hard to admit that, mm-hmm. you know, but I realize it's also a totally Western view. I mean, other people's, there are so sure. many cultures where pain and like deep grieving is daily Honored. yeah and and part of ever unavoidable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's right and, and it's just here you know not just here but where i live or where i'm from that that's not just that that's something that yeah we run from because it is to a degree like sometimes avoidable but just when i was faced with something you know but then all of a sudden it's not yeah right mm-hmm. and even since ava's accident um like things then I felt like, okay, well, that's our one thing, right, God? Like, that's it. Now we're done. <laughs> and um, like some months later, I um, went into septic shock. Dugan and I were on a vacation to like get away for the first time. And it was like, you know, I almost died. Wow. That I think was the icing on the cake for me as far as like going to a really dark place. And then little things like Phoenix just recently last week stepped on something sharp at a pool. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were in the emergency room, you know, two sets of stitches and and it's hard for me not to go back to that place. Like, God, but you can, I know that you can protect us from all of this. I don't know if you guys have felt like that too, but I'm like, okay, well, there was our one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was our right. one thing. Definitely. And you know, now we're done. Right. And then it's hard to not feel totally like punched in the face when it's not, when there's more Mm -hmm. for me anyway. You posted something really profound in response to Phoenix getting injured and just talking about suffering and sitting in the suffering. And would you share a little bit about that? Do you remember what what you posted? (laughs) 
I think I, I think it was something like even if all the suffering in the world was oh, like yeah. evenly distributed. Mm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm I talking about? That, yeah, I was talking to my therapist too, and I was saying, and I'm just obviously going to be so honest, but I'm like, it feels like it just keeps coming. Like the like I said, the sepsis was really like that was the last straw for me to mm-hmm. realize like. It felt so unfair. It mm-hmm. just felt cruel. Mm-hmm. Um, it just felt really cruel mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. like, felt like you kicked me while I was down. And even though we live in a broken world, I know that God is sovereign over all of it. So I'm like, you could have stopped it. Mm-hmm. Like you mm-hmm. could have so easily. It was like a kidney stone that got, I didn't, wasn't aware of. I'd never had a kidney stone in my life. And we were in Mexico and I was like, oh, it feels like labor. <laughs> I'm not pregnant. And, you know, 24 hours later, I was on a ventilator and it feels really, 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 really cruel. But, um, my therapist so like tenderly said, you know, you're speaking from a perspective of like, she's like, I talk to broken people with traumas all day long. Like, I think I had just been like living in the kind of like fairyland of where things as an aside, one of the things I've learned is unless you're a broken grieving person, people don't share their broken grieving stuff mm-hmm. with you. Right. True. Mm-hmm. You know? And so once you are like, once you're like, Hey, I don't, and you guys are nodding cause you know what this feels like, yeah. but once you're like, Hey, I've experienced this deep pain, this deep sadness, this deep trauma, people just come out of the yeah. woodwork And at first for me on social media, it was overwhelming. You know, I like Mm -hmm. to also think that I'm the only one whose kids something's happened to. Mm -hmm. I would would never follow the accounts of like the, you know, all the survivors, uh, all the people whose that wasn't their story of their, their beloveds didn't survive, Mm -hmm. you know, but Mm -hmm. once you are like, Hey, I'm one of these people, you realize how big that Mm -hmm. pool of people is. Mm And so that's what I've realized is like, there really is so much, whether it's like a surface, like something unavoidably that people know about you, the passing of a sibling, you know, or the accident of a child or like, but then there's all this deep underlying pain that people Mm -hmm. haven't shared that Mm -hmm. they're going through, which, you know, could be miscarriages or like just a deeply troubled marriage or abuse of like, anything. Um, mm-hmm. but there's just so much more that I ever knew. And so I think after Phoenix's, I think sometimes the re- response on social media, it's so full of love and we are so blessed to have such a tribe of prayer warriors. I mean, there's like, it's just amazing how great people can be, but I feel guilty for getting the response. Like, I wish you guys got a break because I think too, like, uh, not entirely like my therapist, but I think my eyes have just been a little bit open mm. to the enormity of mm-hmm. um, like pain. pain. Yes, exactly. Pain. And I'm like, gosh, if it, sometimes we feel like, yeah, it's so uneven, Yeah, you know, can't you, which is terrible. Can't you give those people some yeah. pain, yeah. but it's not really what we want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. we just That's want ours to stop. And yeah, did, for sure. yeah. I mean, there's like mm-hmm. genocide happening Mm -hmm. now there's trafficking happening now so i feel like i think finally uh, i'm barely getting to see like gosh if you spread this out Mm. evenly Mm. no nobody would be untouched for this deep deep pain we probably like most of us wouldn't even be alive if it got Mm. all i don't know the math of that Mm. but i think 
I'm just, just beginning to learn and that. And then I guess the one, the, the last thing I was talking about with my therapist and that I said, I am praying for this like crazy covering over us. Like I am praying so hard for it. Like I've renounced all of it. Like I have, like, I could probably drink a little bit less coffee and sugar is still my, one of my first loves, but like, I am trying to get rid of all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I am like binding up the enemy. I'm like, <laughs> renouncing it. Like I am just like a spiritual, mm-hmm. like yeah. get out of my way, Satan. And then still Phoenix steps on glass. Yeah. So I yeah. said to her, I'm like, but this just makes me feel like oh, why even wow. ask? Mm-hmm. Why right. even it feels like in a relationship, I wouldn't keep doing that. I wouldn't keep being like, um, like, Hey, do and my husband, like, Hey, protect me. Hey, you know, like, you know, if we are like, I don't know, like mountain climbing and there's like bears in front of us. I just wouldn't keep asking him to do it. <laughs> if like, he was really bad at it. That's how it feels with God. I'm like, ah, and so, um, what she shared with me and I'm like still diving into like biblically how I feel about this, but it seems accurate is she's like, if you're doing all of that and it still breaks through that covering, then you can just rest in that God couldn't have done it any other way. Mm-hmm. And she's like, of course, didn't want to sound trite. And, and I didn't take that. I'm like, no, I can cling to that. Mm-hmm. If you can tell me there was no other way. Like, I'm like, pick anybody but Ava, pick anybody else, you know, like, but you can tell me that there was no other way. Like that was that, that was her like ultimate sacrifice that you're using her to hopefully like share hope with the world. Honestly, right now I would put anybody, I put myself in her place in an instant. Mm -hmm. I still wouldn't care. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, Mm -hmm. I, if I could jump in her spot, I would. Um, so it's still like a wrestling, but if you're going to say there's no other way, then at, at least I can trust that it wasn't that he did a, God did a bad job of protecting mm-hmm. us. Yeah. It yeah. feels like he made it, he, he, in a broken world, he was met with a choice mm-hmm. and he picked Ava <laughs> and instead it feels like, a, of course I would, yeah, like I just said, undo it. Don't, don't pick Ava. I still feel like this is a bad choice (laughs) and that's okay. You know, but I'm like, then it feels like this is, it really is her calling. And like back to her specific accident, like he, it was such a freak accident. It would have been so easy for it not to have happened that I, I can't resist feeling like this is just meant, meant to be for her. And so I could go to like, that helps me. Like I go to another nine-year-old's birthday party and I can think like what would Ava have had like what would this have looked like for Ava and then I realized and I don't know if this helps with your brother but like she would have never been a normal Mm nine-year-old it just wasn't ever her Mm -hmm. scenario it was Mm -hmm. never going to happen for her Mm -hmm. in God's like ultimate plan yeah there just wouldn't have been an Ava without this accident, you know, or like the people that have suffered, like just lost, like you're just, it would have never been part of the plan. Mm -hmm. So you can't do that. You know, you have to not try to do it. So I tuck those feelings away and think, yeah, this is the only way, I guess it's the only way. Yeah. There are things that have come out of, um, since his passing that absolutely would not have happened um, before his passing. We were always a close family, but now we're, you know, super duper tight. And 
Um, and there's just been, there's been immense joy and, you know, the, on the days when I'm like, I can't cry anymore. Somehow I do. Um, <laughs> but I will say, can I, can I, let's close by asking her, um, I mean, the question is, do you believe in moms? But I, I feel like in your situation, your personal situation, um, how when you look at yourself in the mirror and you hold all of these roles and hats and um, specifically, how do you see yourself as a mom? And then in turn, just the power of, of motherhood. Yeah. Well, I think it does go to like how I believe in moms. Um and yeah, so after Ava's accident, I can, it really did feel um, like everything was able to slough away. And, and I can just, I know like, you know, parenting Ava is, I mean, there's lots of medication and she has, she's G2 bed and like, well, all kinds of things I didn't mm-hmm. know about before and, and stressors and, um, it's a lot. And I know that there's somebody that could do it better than me. All those things like keeping track of appointments and all the phone calls and all the things that, you know, they're probably like people that are physical therapist moms that would be able to like do a better job of that for Ava. And the list is endless, but, but I don't know if it's Ava's accident or almost dying that I can, like, I can tell you that as soon as like, we were in the ambulance on the way to the hospital and sepsis feels weird, but like, I just felt my body failing me immediately. Like, I just felt like, I remember feeling like this is what dying feels like. And I, as I didn't know what was happening. I'm like, is this cancer? Is this whatever it is? And I can tell you the fear that I experienced of knowing that I wasn't going to be the one to love Ava and Phoenix ultimately reconciled for me that I am the mom for them. And that means that there are so many things I will not do as well as somebody else, but nobody will love my kids Mm -hmm. like I can. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, had I passed, I'm sure that God would, somebody would have, he would have brought immense love to their lives and they would be Mm -hmm. totally great, better than, better than great. But the feeling of like, all the feelings of inadequacy that I had felt because Ava's, so Ava's accident happened in August and the, and I went into septic shock in March or February. Um, like it wasn't all the feeling of inadequacy in those months, all the feeling of like Dugan and I fighting around her about so many things and the tension in our home and all of it. Like when I had first felt like, I wish you had this ideal life, which I know that you guys have also probably felt like for your kids, like this ideal life that I can't give you. I also, my parents were divorced lots of times. So too, I know my mom has felt, had felt like that for me. Like Mm. I wish she actually got remarried because she was like, I want to give you a whole family unit, Mm. you know, Mm. when I didn't care, like I just needed her. Mm. I didn't need what she thought that I needed. Mm. And so that's, it became abundantly clear to me as far as my kids, like there will be somebody better. There'd be a lot of people that could, could with all the tasks that motherhood involves do better for them. But it took almost dying for me to realize that 
that God doesn't make mistakes. I am the mom for them. I'm the mom for them. And they're the kids for me. And he loves them more than I do. So if I was so ill-equipped, he'd either cover, like Mm. fill in those crazy gaps, or it was not going to matter as much as like the kind of love that I have for them. Mm -hmm. And now I look at Ava, like how honestly, like we look at our newborn babies with like the love that I have for who she is right now is unexplainable like phoenix's resilience just with his little cast on and like limping around like the love i have for him is an unexplainable love and that is enough that's enough mm-hmm. it's got to be enough because it's the, it's literally the only like whole piece i can bring to the puzzle mm-hmm. it's what's in your hands and so that's, that's what we have give them. yeah and so that's what we have as moms i'm like I think I would just say, and it probably sounds like a broken record, but you're doing fine. Like you're doing fine. Like people don't, I hope that my kids go to counseling. So it's not like a a measuring factor of how well you parent your kids. But like, like the thing that takes kids, like the things that end people in deep trauma and counseling aren't the fact that their parents got divorced, aren't the fact that their parents Mm. fought, fact that they got like accidentally left at the bus stop or that their mom forgot their lunch or that they didn't plan a great birthday party. Like the things that wreck you deep in your soul are not being loved for who you are. That's right. Yeah. You know, like I don't remember all of my mom. Like I don't remember those shortcomings as far as like what she missed or didn't. My mom still replays this time that she forgot me at this event. And I was there for like three hours alone. I, I had no idea. (laughs) Don't do that. Like, a hundred times a year. Like you probably need a better planner, but like, but, but like I will, I'll be late every time I get my kids from school every time, but your kids aren't in counseling, like wrecked beyond belief yeah. because you were late, you know? Yeah. So like the power of moms is like what we have with our kids and being able to uniquely love them. <laughs> like, for who God made them. Now I'm not saying like, yeah, we've got to sharpen them. And I'm really like, we'll have to talk again in 10 years when I'm at that like teenage, like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you guys probably all have to like, tell me all the things, the moms that are ahead of me, but, but like to, and it's a balance. I'm sure that's where it gets really tricky, but like mm-hmm. to see them and love them uniquely for who they are, that is the power of moms. And it's something we take totally for granted. Cause we're like, well, yeah, of course we do. Of course we do. That doesn't feel like we get to count that as part of our skill set. But when you strip everything else away, like that's really all that truly matters. And so that's why I'm like, you're doing fine. Like literally place so much more, stock in that and let the rest of it like think about it go to put your head on the pillow maybe that would spiral some people so maybe don't but if you feel like you're in a healthy place where you can think about like well what if it wasn't you like truly think about what if it wasn't you would that be better like would that be the better outcome somebody that was like better at packing lunches or better at parenting a teen like ultimately no the the answer is you that's what they would want. Yeah. They would want you every time, even if they don't answer. say it, even if they're 16 and they don't say it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, what a groundbreaking conversation. Like mm-hmm. Lindsay took us to church. Mm-hmm. So good. 
So first off, a huge thank you to Lindsay for sharing with us today. She is such an inspiration. And you can check out all of Lindsay's beautiful work at lindsayletters.co. And just for our mom's unscripted listeners, Lindsay's giving a 15% off code. Um, and you can use that site-wide. And the code is MOPS, M-O-P-S. So again, 15% off using the code MOPS, M-O-P-S. And we want to remind you that whether your work is seen by millions or by just a few, your creativity, your strength, your resourcefulness as a mother are not lost on us. We know you are in the trenches doing amazing things, even if you don't feel like it today. And finally, as we close out season one of Moms Unscripted, we want to thank you for tuning in and listening to our show. What an amazing adventure it's been. And we're excited to announce that season two is in the works. So keep an eye out on social media for updates and announcements. We have an incredible lineup planned for you. And in the meantime, we'd love to see you at the most incredible mom conferences happening September 9th through the 11th in Nashville. It's called MomCon. And after this year, every mom needs a weekend away to recharge and get inspired about the future. So get your ticket now because we will all be there and we want to see you there. And now... From all of us here at Moms Unscripted, Matt Mars, Janella Thaxton, Leanna Tankersley, and me, Mandy Arioto, have an amazing summer, and we'll see you for season two in September. Hey friends, thank you for joining us for Moms Unscripted, a production of Mops International. A quick reminder that opinions discussed are solely the opinions of the individuals and do not necessarily represent the organization. For more information on today's episode, please visit mops.org backslash Moms Unscripted podcast for show notes. And join us again next week for another unscripted conversation around the Mops table.